0: hello and welcome to another episode of the traveling introvert career conversations i am very excited to talk to this guest um th- they have done amazing things and I'm, I'm very excited so i would like to introduce you to suchetta uh, please say hello
1: hi everybody hi janice all right
0: so um Oh, see, I've lost my train of thought. I'm that excited. First question, as always, is, do you consider yourself to be an introvert?
1: I go both ways. I actually grew up as an introvert for most of my life. And at this point in stage where I'm in my 40s, I feel like I can do both.
0: So that makes me ask, what does introversion mean to you?
1: So to me, it means where I draw my energy from being around people or being on my own you know think about like when you go to a meeting a networking session and do you come back feeling like oh I'm so beat now I do not have energy to talk to people or do you get very excited and you just come back with full of ideas and you just want to talk more and more and I feel like depending on the crowd I can go both ways I'm very comfortable being on my own but I also draw energy being around people
0: and you mentioned that you think that you started off earlier in your life being an introvert and, and moved into being more of an ambivert. Now, do you, what made you think that things have changed or has anything happened in your life that makes you think that you've changed?
1: Absolutely. So when I was growing up in India, I was a very quiet kid. I was one of those people who my friends thought there was something wrong with you because I hardly ever spoke. And at home, yes, with my family, I was pretty talkative, but the moment I went outside, I was just a good listener, but I never felt like I always needed to be heard. But when I came to the United States and I went to college, I started feeling that if you are not heard, if you don't speak up, then you are construed a certain way that you're not smart enough or you don't have enough to contribute. But even then, I think the turning point in my life was travel. Um, I am a travel writer, but starting off in college, I was just going to school for business. Um, one of the organizations that was for students um, was doing travel for as part of their student body to go on conferences. And my friend came to me and said, "You know, if you want free travel, you should join this leadership honor society. And I said, well, I do want free travel. So what do I need to get there? And she said, well, your GPA is high enough, so you'll qualify. But if you join the board as a student body leader, you're assured that you will get to travel for free. So I went next day and I signed up for the presidential election to be the president of the student body organization. And I did not know that, that if I did get elected, which I did, my first job would be to speak in front of 500 people. And I think that was the turning point of my life when I was put in a position where I had to speak in front of people. And that's not going to say that I had to become an extrovert at that point, but I really had to break out of my shell and get comfortable being in front of people and being around them and speaking to them addressing uh, board meetings and conferences.
0: Okay and so you said that it, it it didn't mean that you became an extrovert you just had to address people. Do you feel that that is harder for introverts to address a crowd of 500 people?
1: I do feel that extroverts have a little bit of an easier handle on that uh, just because they're more comfortable speaking in front of people addressing bigger crowds but as I said being an introvert and not being comfortable talking in front of people and not feeling like I needed to constantly being heard that was a bold move for me
0: and so that started with, and so you said that you um, became president and you got free travel, is the assumption after that?
1: Yeah. So I got to go on our regional and na- national conferences um, as the president. And I also picked who all went with me. And when I went to these conferences, I had to meet people from all parts of the world who had also come as student leaders. And that was where I really felt like my extra work was coming out, because we would interact in workshops, we would have dinners together, we would share ideas, we would even dance and learn about each other's culture. And it was a turning point in my life, because I always felt like I want to learn about other people through travel. But at that moment, I had the opportunity to do it.
0: And so with that travel and all the people you met, was there anyone specific that sort of maybe changed your life or changed the trajectory of your life?
1: Um, There were several people along the way, starting with my advisor in grad school, who really pushed me to take on those leadership roles. But even from there, going into my first job where I was working In consulting, and they sent me for leadership training, for public speaking training. And then all the clients I made, um, I worked with through those uh, different positions I've held. I feel like those are the people who impacted me the most because they have seen me grow in different career paths, but being the same person and having a different outlook of life. And they've seen me drawing my energy from being an introvert to now being a super extrovert at times where you know I'm the one who's connecting people and speaking in front of crowds and um, having these very unique experiences
0: and so you mentioned attending all these conferences as um, a leader did you have any um tips or things that you did to help deal with going to conferences all the time
1: um, some of the tips at that point, it was very different different than now because I was a student at that time, but I still go to a lot of conferences now as a speaker and as a leader. So I will, I would say I would speak more on where I'm in my life right now. Um, some of the tips for attending and uh, networking with conferences, is I always try to get stage time, um, whether it is doing a workshop, a panel, or just speaking up in some of the other sessions where I introduce myself. And if I have a question or comment to add, um, I would make sure that people know my name, who I work for, what do I do, and then ask my question. And I feel that it makes it easier for people to come and speak to me afterwards. And it, it opens up new conversations as well. And you mentioned that
0: um, you go into leadership positions, and you'll be sent on leadership training. Uh, what were the main, I know public speaking, you mentioned, was one thing that was covered with leadership training. Was there anything else that you felt that was covered in leadership training that was useful?
1: Oh, yes, a lot of it uh, was useful. And the public speaking actually was a completely different training program that I went for aside from the leadership training. And a lot of it was around how to present yourself uh, to your clients, how to network and never take a no for an answer. You know, when you when you reach out to people and uh, people you're not don't know, you're not familiar with, and maybe you're just sending them a message on LinkedIn and how you can add value to their lives rather than just say, oh, I want to connect Uh, we have we are in the same group or we are in the same city or the same company rather than just opening with that maybe saying you know here's I can help you uh, be more successful in your role or your career path and what is it that you're offering to them rather than just uh, making that friendly connection
0: okay so as follow on from that is this something that you do regularly that has improved your career
1: absolutely uh, this is something I do on a daily basis uh, for all aspects of my job from speaking traveling um, to writing um, everything that I do what is it it is connecting with people and offering value to them
0: Okay. And is there anything else that you would recommend that people do sort of weekly or monthly as a ritual to improve their career or business?
1: I think the importance of networking um, is often misconstrued because networking is not just always going into a room full of people and having a drink, but it is also keeping in touch on a regular basis whether you pick up the phone and call them or send them an email. But I feel like that constant communication with people I've come to know uh, over my lifetime, whether they are in the same industry or not, but that value of holding on to that network and telling them what you're doing at this point in your career and how they can help you or how you can help them or just having a friendly chat and saying, you know, well, I just had a tr- wonderful trip to New Mexico. And if you are ever thinking about going there, let me give you going there. So let me give you some advice on how you can have a more meaningful experience when you travel there.
0: Mm. And so that leads me to a question for you with your travel, what
1: constitutes a meaningful experience? Great question. So I've been, I've traveled to over 100 countries, and I feel like a lot of people tend to repeat the same experience over and over again. When they go to a destination, they are staying in a hotel, eating at a restaurant they may have read about in a tour, in a magazine, and then they bring the same photographs as all of their friends do of the destination. Uh, to me, that, that becomes repetitive and not does not add any value to you um, as a traveler. Uh, a meaningful travel, on the other hand, would be something that enriches your life as well as the life of the others at the destination you visit. And that could be having a learning lesson that you may have not known about that culture or the place or the food that you come back and have a personal connection with, someone you met there, or something you learned about their customs, their religions, and then the choices you make at the destination. So I'm a big proponent of sustainable travel. And I feel that every opportunity you have as a traveler, you are able to make those decisions on where, which hotel that you will stay with, which restaurant you would dine with, who you are gonna take a tour with, and making sure that those dollars that you spend are invested in the local community.
0: And so how would you go about doing that research?
1: Well, that, that's a great question because a lot of the online platforms, if you book on a, a tour, or a package tour uh, does not really allow you to do that. So I connect with local tour operators who are often women-led and women-owned small businesses in those countries, and they have a deeper connection to the community. Um, I tell them that this is what I'm interested in, whether it's art or food or nature, and have them make a tailor-made itinerary for me. And while I'm there, I have these people guide me through my tours. So it's not just about send me off in, uh, to check out all these attractions, but have someone with me to talk to me about your culture. And those are the people that I connect with and ask them questions. And I ask them to connect me further to what restaurants do you go to with your family on the weekend? or if you're going on a vacation to a different part of your country, where would you go? And just asking those questions to people and making those personal connections, I think that is the best way to do it.
0: And so can you let us know where you currently are sort of in your career, your current job and industry, and then can you let me know about some misconceptions people have about
1: your job and industry? Yes, Um, so I'm a full-time food and travel writer, and I work for, as a freelancer, for a few publications, including Time Magazine, CNN, Travel and Leisure, Photos, AAA, and I have two columns I write. I also write a series of children's books about travel, and I speak about travel. So the most common misconception I get from people who look at my social media posts is that I am eating and drinking all the time and just on vacation, taking these glamorous shots and I don't work. (laughs) So eating and drinking is a big part of my job where I have to taste sometimes hundreds of dishes a week. And I have to talk to the chefs, learn about the food, the ingredients, where they source from. So there's a lot of backstory that happens behind each dish that I taste. And people are just looking at, oh, having a great time. You're out for dinner again, or you're off to another destination. But, you know, it, it is it is work. It is a fun work and I would not do anything else but there are very long hours and my whole itinerary my each day is defined by the destinations or my sponsors and every waking hour I have is filled with activities, meetings, interviews, uh, photos, photograph sessions, social media posts And so I really never have time to sit by the pool and have a drink, which most people would imagine to at least do once during their vacation. So I think that that's a very different viewpoint of what the life of a travel writer could be. And funny, Janice, I have invited some of my friends to come with me occasionally on my trips and and I said, well, you can observe me in action. And after the first day, they say, um, I quit. Mm-hmm. I cannot eat another 10-course meal. I am jet lagged. I just want to go to my room and go to sleep. And I don't want to be a part of this anymore.
0: Can't keep up. Can't keep up with the pace. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so you mentioned that on your, your Instagram, your social media, that's what it looks like. Do you ever do something that, you know, goes behind the scenes, gives more in-depth in, in depth information on what an average, I don't know if there is an average day, that's probably a misconception, a, a day might look like to give people more depth about what your industry does and what you do as a creator.
1: Uh, yes, I've actually done several YouTube videos on my own channel where I talked about how people could get into this business and what to expect if they wanted to become a food and travel writer. um, I've talked about uh, what the typical day life is and what are some of the pitfalls. Why is it not for everybody? Because you definitely need to have a lot of stamina and be persistent with your work. It is not just about traveling and eating, but you have to sell those stories. You gotta write them on paper and then you gotta pitch yourself Why are you the right person to be telling these stories? And then you have to make the connections with editors and constantly be um, updating your portfolio with what you're doing. So it is not just a a one day uh, when you go to work, you know, uh, eight to five, and then you're done. Your work basically goes 24 hours a day.
0: And so now you are where you are, can you tell me the last three jobs you did before you um, got to where you are today?
1: So I've been a food and travel writer full time for about 12 years. Uh, before that, I used to work in human capital consulting um, for Gallup organization. And before that, I was in investment banking for a Dutch company. So completely different jobs, different paths, but I feel like every job I've had has prepared me to be where I am today. Adding some skills um, in different ways, like I told you, with leadership, with speaking, with networking, uh, but helping me build to who I am as a travel writer.
0: Awesome. Thank you for letting us know about that path. And final question for you that I ask everybody. Is a hot dog a sandwich?
1: I'm sorry. What's your question?
0: Is a hot dog a sandwich?
1: (laughs) That's a funny question. (laughs) I guess it is because... A piece of meat between two pieces of bread is what they define sandwich as when it first came out. So it probably is, <laughs> but it's it's not something I actually, it's not my favorite food. Oh,
0: and I'm sure you get asked this all the time. So what is your favorite food as you brought it up?
1: <laughs> um, I gravitate more towards Asian uh, <laughs> because that is my heritage Um, so anything spicy like Indian Thai Malaysian is what my favorite is not that I can eat it every day but if you want to treat me to a great meal that's where what I would expect people to make for me
0: okay you've been told people (laughs) if you you want to invite around for dinner that's what the menu should look like Uh, (laughs) thank you so much can you tell uh, the wonderful listeners where they can find you
1: Yeah, so I am on all social media platforms as my full name, which is Sucheta Ravel. And I also have a blog, which is called Go Eat Give. And my series of books are called Beato Goes To.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was a real pleasure. Thank you very much. This is Janice at TheCoreoAntrovert.com, helping you build your brand and get hired. Have a great rest of your week.